0: Welcome back to week four of the Oklahoma Sports Bros. We took a week off last week; it was Thanksgiving, so we just said, you know, our one fan can wait. Big shout out to that one fan, though, Zach Brown. Good, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Told him this week we'd give him a shout out for being a loyal listener. So, uh, thanks, Zach Brown, for the big, Woo-hoo. big support. Um, we're hoping we're hoping to draw a lot more of you guys in. And if nobody's listening to this, so I guess then I'm not talking <laughs> to anybody. So this is awkward <laughs> now. But moving on, I am your host, Zach Kobler. This is your co-host, <laughs> What's Perkins. going on? You can call him what you want. <laughs> um, he has a couple of different names he's going to go by. So I, I, his name's is Perkins. That, it, we should change his legal name to Perkins and then just be done with it. But um, just moving on. This week we are starting off with a bang. We are covering 2 weeks, so this podcast might run a little long. We're going to try and keep it short. We both got to get out of here, got to get up early in the morning. So, um but starting off, the big game we want to talk about from 2 weeks ago on a Thursday night was the TU Tulane game. Goodness gracious, TU knows how to come from behind. I am not going to lie. They whenever they're down 14 and their third string quarterback entered the game, I turned off the TV. I went to I bed watching. <laughs> and boy, boy, boy boy was that a mistake. Goodness. Like I don't know what I was thinking. TU had come back from over 20 points in two previous games this year and they go ahead and do it again. It wasn't 20 points this time. I think it was only 14. But their third-string quarterback, I don't even know his name, came back with a Hail Mary on the last play of the game to send the game to overtime. It is absolutely a storybook ending. And then, get this, and I know it's no shock to anybody who listens to this podcast, but Zaven Collins, the first play of overtime with the pick six to seal the game. Goodness, like, Why would I turn that game off? That is just absolutely absurd. I miss I will never turn another game off in my life. I know that's a (laughs) lie, but goodness, like that, like every it seems every time I turn off a game, something crazy and miraculous happens, and I'm just ticked (laughs) off about it. But good win for T U, just overall good job. Um I can't even speak to how well they played in the second half (laughs) because I turned off the game. Dude, I
1: went to bed. You know, I had to get, I get up five o'clock in the morning for work. And so I went to bed. It was probably seven, eight o'clock when I laid down, turn everything off. And I woke up that next morning. My phone was blown up from ESPN, Tulsa, this Tulsa, that I'm reading. through. I was late to work that day because I watched all the highlights. And I was like, what in the holy heck is going on? I couldn't believe it. I watched all the, all the highlights. And I was like, what did Tulsa do? What is going on? Where did this come from? And, man, we know how to call games. When people start listening to us, we're going to get a reputation because not only did we call that game as it happened and what Tulsa had to do, but we were freaking right. And they came back from behind. They did the exact thing that they, we said that they'll probably end up doing. <laughs> and they didn't give up. And, of course, David Collins uh, – well, Zayven Collins is Zayven Collins. You can always expect him to show up to a game. But one player – can't always make up for the rest of the 10. So that's on the field.
0: Yeah. And moving forward, I honestly don't know how their injured quarterbacks are looking. Like, I don't first off, I don't know how you injured two quarterbacks in a game. I guess their coach is just an idiot, which I've said <laughs> multiple times on this podcast before. And we only have four episodes, so you know how big of an idiot you think I think he is. But like I, I just don't get it. Like, what is going on? Like, how do you get two quarterbacks hurt? And honestly, once uh, the second string, the first string, he was, he started flinging the ball early in the first quarter pretty well, um, played pretty well the first quarter. Then he goes down, and the second string enters the game, and I'm like, okay, this, this guy's not too bad. Um, and you, you could see, um, I believe his name was Seth Boomer, and he's from Collinsville. So, another Oklahoma native. But you could see he was a little bit, like, uncomfortable at the beginning. And then he finally settled in a little bit and started completing some passes. And then he gets hurt again. And I'm like, whatever. I'm done. But I say that to kind of lead into their next game. Obviously, they got – I don't know if you would say it's lucky because you always want to play the game. But they got lucky because their quarterbacks were hurt and their game got postponed, so they got some extra weeks or an extra week for some healing there. Um, So they might have got a little bit lucky there. Uh, Going into their game this week, they play Navy, and I don't know with this game. Navy is historically good. Navy is historically one of those teams that just is just annoying, honestly. Navy just plays um, a simple game. They have 15, 16, 17 play drives. They run the triple option. It's just old school smash mouth football. It's just all about discipline. And that makes me really nervous for Tulsa going into this game. I know Tulsa's highlight point is their defense, but I don't know. The triple option always seems to trip up some good defenses. Um, I believe Tulsa should win this game. I believe I I was looking over the odds earlier. I think they were 12 point favorites. I think that's a little bit high. Um, but I believe Tulsa should win this game, but it's going to be a closer game than people would think, and Navy's going to control the clock, and they're going to have these – they're going to gain three yards. Then they're going to gain four yards. Then they're going to gain four yards. They're not going to have any home run plays. They're just going to do what they do, and then at the end of the game, if Navy has the ball last, then they're probably going to win. But if at the end of the game, if Tulsa ends up, having the ball last, then they'll win. Um, I think it's going to be that type of game. Um, I also think that Navy would be – I think the way Tulsa wins this game over Navy is either they force a turnover, which they've been really good at this year, or Navy just seems to not show up ready to play the game. Navy has been one of the schools that's been hit hard by COVID as well. They've missed a lot of games this year. Um, So I could see – a little bit of rust, but also coming into the game, Tulsa's missed a week as well. So I don't know if that's really an excuse or not at this point of the season. Um, we're pretty deep into the season. Most teams at least have three or four or five games then. So what are your thoughts on Tulsa? Uh,
1: it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a close game. I like when I'm looking at teams, I like to compare because I, unlike you, I haven't, I can't say historically, because uh, I'm just recently getting into this stuff. I'm like two years in. And so I haven't spent the decade you have religiously watching these games. And so I like to go in and I take a more research approach to it. I look at them and I compare who have they beaten versus who have they lost to compared to what similar teams has the other team beaten versus similar teams other teams lost to. And if I'm going off those type of stats, it's pretty neck and neck. Uh, The only standout game is Tulsa beats SMU 28-24. And two weeks prior, uh, if I'm doing my math correct there, so that's always a toss-up, Navy loses to SMU, 51-37. And so take that as you will. Uh, both good games. But when you're looking at it, that's a pretty significant difference as far as scores go. Um, but both teams beat East Carolina. Just going from there, it's going to be a good game. And I like you said, Navy very good at controlling the ball – has a great knowledge of what, what they're doing, you know, with time of the clock, they're not Syracuse. They don't spike the ball on the fourth down to tie up the game. (laughs) And so it's, uh, I think it's going to be a great game. And I think Tulsa is going to do what they do best. And that's lose until the fourth quarter and then come back and win. So (laughs) uh, I think that's what, I think that's what's going to happen. But honestly, uh, Hopefully they figure out their quarterback situation, but I think they're gonna be yeah, well, it's gonna be all right Tulsa is a i you know they've proven to their fans don't quit watching us that I think that's the biggest point to take away is they've proven to their fans you gotta watch us to the end of the game. don't get bored halfway through
0: it, it, it's very true, but the that first half that they put together is very boring like <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, the, Tulsa's a hard team to watch. Like, if you turn it on in the second half, you're going to be really pleased if you're a Tulsa fan. But if you turn it on in the first half, you're going to be like, what in the heck are they doing? <laughs> like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but with that being said, we're going to go ahead and move on from Tulsa. I think we've kind of beat the dead horse over them a little bit. I think they'll win this weekend. But moving on, the big game from two weekends ago that we didn't get to talk about because we skipped last week, because we're terrible people (laughs) is OU and OSU. OU does exactly what I said they were going to do in the previous podcast. They controlled the game. They came out on fire. They come out swinging and they were up 21 to zero before you could even blink. And I don't think they ever looked back. Um, the game got kind of boring in the second and third quarters. Team, both teams struggled to score. Um, there were a lot of field goals in there, and I don't know. This this game never even seemed like OSU was in the game from the very first drive. Uh, you just you just felt like OU was going to win this game, and I don't know if that's how OSU fans felt the whole time, but sitting there as an OU fan watching the game, I was confident the entire way through, which is not my demeanor in any of their games. Like, you can you can ask anybody who's watched a game with me. My demeanor in a game is a nervous wreck. I am intent on the TV. I am not relaxed at all. I almost had a heart attack in the four-overtime game against Texas. Um, and Like, this was such a relaxing change of pace for me. Oh, you just dominated this game. One, one thing I'm going to call into question on this game is Mike Gundy. Like, like what, what is Mike Gundy doing in the fourth quarter? uh, Down on his own plus 39 yard line and punting the ball. Like, what are you doing? That is a horrendous play call. And His reasoning after the game was OU's defense had been playing well. He didn't think he could get it. Um, He had some guys banged up on the offensive line. He had had all these excuses in the book, but, like, you're losing. You just told – by putting that ball, you just told your team, hey, you're not good enough. I don't believe in you. And I think that was probably the biggest mistake. I think that's a season killer, Punting the ball there. I don't think it's just a game killer. I think that's a season killer. I think people – or, or, some of his team have seen. Well, he gave up on us. Like that. That to me is just absolutely absurd. I don't. I do not. As a coach myself, I don't see how you could do that. I don't see how you could give up on your team like that and just say no. I don't. I don't think we can do that. And then OU after the punt, they turn around, take the ball 99 yards. It by the way, great punt. It was a great punt. And if OSU would have got a safety on that play, we'd have been talking about it differently. But, like, great punt, but OU then takes the ball 99 yards and the game's over. Like, it's just – to me, that's just probably the weakest play call I've ever seen. It was way too conservative. you got to go for it at some point. Um, I always get on to Perkins for going for it on fourth down in our Madden League. And (laughs) literally, he'll go for it on fourth down – from in the first quarter on his first drive inside his own 20 and but this there's no excuse like this was the game moment where you needed to go for it on fourth down and and it was just it's just astounding to me that he punted that ball i i don't understand it i know i'm dragging on about it but i just think that is i think that sealed the deal in mike gundy's coffin at osu i do not I don't think they're gonna necessarily fire him, but I to me that seals the deal. Mike Gundy is only ever going to be a good coach. He will never be a great coach because he is just average. He he doesn't go for it. He doesn't believe in his team in the tough moments. I think that's the big big takeaway from this game.
1: I I mean, you watch the game and you see Oklahoma dominates. And OU just just does what they want with the ball. And OSU spent that entire game struggling. Entire game struggling. And you think to yourself, you know, as a coach, you know that no matter how great the player, no matter how great the team, if, if they're losing and they're struggling that much, the morality of the team during that specific game is going to go down. You know, you and me have played sports our entire life we know what it's like to be on that side of the ball where we are losing and you just – you get that fighting spirit, but there's just that little part of you that just – it's just beaten. Not defeated, but just beaten. And, you know, that's where the coach comes in. You have – and like you said, that's the difference between a good coach and a great coach. A good coach says, all right, there's next week. A great coach says, this game isn't over yet. Even if we can't win, even if we can't score the three, four touchdowns that we need to catch up, we'll score one more touchdown. We will make the deficit not look as big as it is. And that that's the difference. And that's what makes a good coach a great coach or, or not a great coach at all. And obviously he showed where he stands on that spectrum. And I think that's about, I think that's the best way you can put it is when it came down to it, he wasn't able to bring his team to the mindset he needed to. He said, you know what? There's always next week. And as a coach, in my personal belief, there is no there's always next week. There's right now we're gonna play until that clock hits zero. And then there's next week. And that, that's the only two options, in my opinion. And to see him make that decision as a you know, as a Oklahoma in general fan, it's saddening because I want to see both teams succeed, even if one's losing by just under 30 points. Still, you know, and so
0: no, nah. OSU. We can beat OSU by fifty every week. That's fine <laughs> every year. I it, it doesn't matter to me if we can if we can throttle OSU every year. That'd be just fine. <laughs> I don't care how good they are. Uh, like I, am not gonna lie. I'm not I'm not the OU fan who cheers for OSU to lose every week. I actually cheer for them to win every week because it looks better for OU to beat a good OSU team. But <laughs> e- If every year OSU comes in with the same Mike Gundy coach. I'm going to be very confident that we're going to win. Like Mike Gundy just does not know how to coach Bedlam. His record in Bedlam shows that he's two and 14 now. Um, So I, I don't know. I, that's, that's just astounding to me. OSU does rebound. They go to Texas tech last week, but in all reality, did they really rebound? Like, because Texas tech is, Not a particularly great team. They go to Texas Tech, and they win by six. They win by six points at Texas Tech, and it's a shootout. So OSU, or I mean OU, practically broke OSU's defense. Because up until this point, OSU's defense has probably been the best in the Big 12, um, besides maybe West Virginia. And OSU's defense was one of the best, and then OU goes up against them, and now they don't know how to play defense. And then the following week, they let Texas, a bad Texas Tech team put up 45 points against them. Like, what are they doing? Like, they've just lost their dang minds down there in Stillwater. Like, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me how you let a bad Texas Tech team put up 40-plus points on you. And I, I, I know I'm coming from an OU fan perspective. We've let really bad teams – Put up a lot of points on us and I was always like well we just won the game so that's all that matters so I guess in the long run they won the game it's all that matters but I I don't I don't feel confident in them going forward like it it just to me it's not I'm not feeling the utmost confidence in them
1: it time. goes right back to what I was saying about, uh, about what's the team morality um, and it's not there um, and, it's not there. there. Another another question you got to ask is where is
0: Chuba Hubbard? Like he came back to win a national title and then he's played in like three games this year. Like how could you possibly like I get it if you're hurt. That's fine. Like that's a different story. But every game OSU says basically on Twitter before the game OSU says Chuba Hubbard 100% healthy and then he goes out there, and then he shows up for maybe five to ten plays a game. Like, he is your best player. What is he doing? Are you trying not to get him hurt for his draft stock? Like, if that's the case, then just sit him out in total. But if you're just not playing him because you're a bad coach, like, sit yourself out, coach. Like, go give somebody else the play calling sheet. Like, that's terrible. Chuba Hubbard is – a dominant force, probably one of the best running backs in the entire country, and he's not playing right now. Now, if it's an injury, I take all that back. I like You can't control injuries. I understand that. But from the outside looking in, Chuba just doesn't seem like he's the same Chuba this year, and I don't know if it's the offensive line or I don't know if it's him playing to try to not get hurt. Because if he's playing to try to not get hurt, he just needs to not play this year and just go declare for the draft.
1: I, it, There's no telling. I, honestly, I, I feel like that's something that the, the coach needs to make a statement. We're not going to play our best player because we think it's in his best interest to be prepped for the draft. Okay, perfect. But, again, you talk about the, a coach that just doesn't seem to understand – what a great coach is and you're just an average coach doesn't make the doesn't make best decisions doesn't make bad decisions just makes decisions and at this point i think he's starting to borderline bad decisions i mean either play your running back or don't but you know you got to tell the fans like why is the person that can change a losing game to a winning game not in the game and i think that's that's the biggest question to ask and I, I don't know if we'll ever get an answer. Um, but, I mean, maybe if he gets fired, that would be your answer. <laughs> but... <laughs> well,
0: no, like, we're never going to get an answer because Mike Gundy's a dick to the press. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that on this podcast. But he's just horrible to the press. Like, you've seen it in the past where he yells at press members because they're doing their job. And they're asking tough questions. And It, it just... I don't know. Like, they... If, to me, in my opinion, if OSU ever wants to be on the level of OU, or even if OSU ever wants to be on the level of Texas, like that second-tier program down under, if they just want to be on that level, they have to get a different coach. Mike Gundy's not the answer. Um, And I don't know. It's it's kind of – it's just – it's a weird situation. You can't really fire a coach in COVID year. I know we've seen a couple coaches go already, but it's just a weird situation where you, you probably can't fire anybody because your athletic budgets are already strapped. Um, and if OSU fires him, they have to pay him X amount of dollars of his contract anyway. So I get all the legalities. I know he's not going to be gone, but he needs to be. That's all I'm saying. If, if they can get some new rich – guy to donate a lot of money to buy him out they need to because they're they're with Mike Gundy they're going to be a a genuine eight and five team every year and they're going to be happy with it and that just that that breaks my heart because I have a lot of close OSU friends and they every year they think man we're going to the college football playoff this year I couldn't hear enough about how OSU was going to win the big 12 this year and go to the college football playoff Everybody was saying at the beginning of the year and I was just like, well, we'll see. We'll see. And I thought OSU was good. I thought they were going to be a good team. I thought, honestly, I thought they might even be a great team, but I never thought they were going to be a playoff team. Um, they never had the offensive line for it, but that being said, let's go ahead and look forward to their game this week. Cause we've rambled on, on Mike Gunney for too long. If you ever want to get me ticked off, just tell me how good of a coach Mike Gunny is. Um <laughs> But moving on to the game this week, OSU plays TCU. This game, uh, OSU, I think I believe is a two and a half point favorite, and I, I'm, I don't think there's a way that oh, – I'm not going to say it that way. OSU should win this game if OSU is good is as good as they have proven to be this year. Besides this last two games, they should win this game easily. Um, but if the OSU team that played at OU shows up, then they're not. If the OSU team that played at Texas Tech last week, they're all, I don't know. that That's going to be a toss-up game to me. I, I really don't know. TCU's got a good quarterback in Max Duggan. Um, he's kind of young, kind of makes a lot of mistakes, uh, kind of makes those rookie mistakes. But, but I think that OSU should win this game. If Max Duggan goes off, then that could change my mind, but that's kind of how I'm feeling about this game moving forward. What are you feeling on it?
1: I Honestly, if OSU plays like they have the past two games, you kind of said I'm going to reiterate it. If OSU plays like they have the past two games, there's not a chance in this world that they win this game. I think it's going to be a good close game. I think two point, two and a half points – is a good guesstimate for what this game should look like. I I could see this being a field goal winning game, but if OSU can figure out how to get all their bleepy bleep together, you know, if you know what I'm saying, then it'll be fine. They are going to show up, they're going to win and TCU is going (laughs) to be a four and five. But if, if they still have this issue with showing up to the game and feeling like they're going to win and they struggle and they struggle and they give up points and they give up points. I just don't, I don't know. TCU is going to win. I, that's, I think it's either way, but honestly, I think I'm, I know OSU's favored. I think TCU wins this one. I, I do. I think they win. I, I just, o, OSU is falling apart right now. And unless they have a saving grace that's willing to lift them up, whether that's a a player who stands up in place of a good coach, or the <laughs> Cundy gets his uh, stuff together and pretends that he knows what he's doing, um, at least for the rest of the season. Well, well, so,
0: well, just going off going off that you you said Gunny again, so it got me back on the track <laughs> about something that I hadn't mentioned yet. So early in the O.U. OSHA game. I know we're backtracking a little bit, but early in the OU OSU game, Spencer Sanders goes down after a hit from Ronnie Perkins, and they take him out of the game, um, and their reason is that he had concussion-like symptoms. So my, my question is, if he had concussion-like symptoms, why is he ever going back into the game? Which it, they, Mike Gundy said he got cleared. Mike – which, if he got cleared, that's all Mike Gundy needs. Like, if the athletic trainer said he's good, then he's good. Um, But my question for Mike Gundy is, why is he not going back – if you think he's good enough to play, if you think he's in his right mind to play, why is he not going back into the game until halfway through the fourth quarter when the game's already out of hand? Why is he not going back in after halftime? Why – would you sit your quarterback, your dynamic playmaking quarterback? Why would you sit him if he's good to go? And if he's not good to go, why would you put him back in the game? These coaching decisions don't make any sense.
1: You know, there's no and telling. It just
0: doesn't make any sense for Mike Gundy. Like that just, it blows my mind. And I'm getting heated again. So we're going <laughs> to, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on. I. Right. Because that is, it, he's just, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. Uh, let's, let's go ahead let's and move, move on, on to our next one. We're going to the OU-Baylor game this weekend. This game is intriguing for a lot of different reasons, one of which is COVID. COVID has struck OU pretty hard this past week. Obviously, their game on Saturday against West Virginia got canceled. Uh, or I guess not canceled, but rescheduled because too many players and coaches were out with it. Um, so COVID is going to play a storyline here. It's going to be interesting to see what players are still out with it. or Not necessarily that they have it, but contact tracing and all of that. It's going to be interesting to see who can play this weekend and who cannot. Um, that's a big thing. It's also going to be interesting to see what coaches are on the sideline. I know one of the things that Perkins wanted to talk about was Coach Stoops coming in and helping um, this week on, um, in regular day practices. Um, it, it'll be very interesting to see if Coach Stoops is allowed to be on the sideline. I know legally he probably is allowed to be on the sideline um, because he is an institutional employee, which means he's employed by OU. Um, and in case you didn't know it, yes, he's still employed by OU. He is the um, special advisor to the athletic director, which is a title, meaning that he makes probably one phone call a week to the athletic director and gets probably I think he gets like two hundred fifty thousand dollars for that. So all I'm saying is that's pretty cush gig. You know. <laughs> um, but so Bob Stoops is back. That's pretty awesome. Um, seeing a legend on the field coming back out of retirement pulling Lincoln Riley says it's pretty awesome to have a hall of famer on the bench. Like, and that, that's just a great quote. Like no kidding. It's great. Um, Apparently they, this had been in a contingency plan all along Lincoln had said how he had made all of these plans for if this guy was out with COVID or if this guy was out or whatever. So it'll be very interesting to see, what coaches are actually on the sideline this week. It sounds like the coaches were hit fairly hard. Obviously, if you're bringing a coach out of retirement um, that has had very little to do with the team for a long time to coach on the sideline, then it's probably you've been hit very hard. So, that COVID is the main storyline of this game. I don't think that it's going to affect the outcome of this game. Baylor's not a good team. That like Baylor's just not a good team. Period. OU would have to have all twenty-two starters out and all twenty-two backup out of this game for them to for this to be in question for me. But I don't know. I like I could see Lincoln's already said that there's going to be a lot of graduate assistants on the sideline, and I've been a graduate assistant before, and you're in way over your head. So maybe. If that's the case, then I don't know. To me, this game's not even close. The storyline is who's going to be on the sideline, what players are going to be there, and what coaches are going to be there. To me, this game's a blowout. Um, if if the offense is healthy, then this game's a blowout. If the defense is healthy, this game is a super blowout. So I like this is just not that close to me. Um, I'm still going to watch it. I hate calling games like this because this weekend's going to roll around and OU's going to disappoint me, or they're going to be like, "Well, we only have seven guys to play," and I don't know. Just <laughs> I, I hate calling games like that, but I feel this game's not going to be close at all. Um, Baylor does not look great. Baylor has a great head coach, but they do not look great right now. So
1: it's uh, it's going to be. A good game, but I you know I've got a question for you. I've been looking at all these all these different uh, records and the scores from different games, and I gotta ask it. Did something happen at Texas Tech between when Oklahoma played them and then when they played everybody else? Because Oklahoma wins 62-28. And then after that, every team Texas Tech has played, they've either barely beaten or barely got beaten. And I'm just really curious, well, did anything I, happen? Did they just recruit Superman halfway through the season?
0: <laughs> not necessarily. Um, I will say OU's – that was the first game OU's defense uh, had their – had Ronnie Perkins not suspended. So that was a big boost. And Ramondre Stevenson wasn't suspended. Uh, but that's the first game of the season where you finally saw OU take over and just throttle somebody. Um, I think it just shows the actual gap between the talent levels of OU and Texas Tech. Texas Tech is a good team. They're well coached. Matt Wells is a good coach. He really is. Um, he uh, obviously, he's not at a top tier program, but I think you give him a couple years, he'll have Texas Tech as a respectable program in the big 12, um, a hard to beat program. Obviously, you're saying it this year that most of these games are pretty close. I honestly, I think that they're just a well-coached team and they've found the quarterback that they want to run with now and they're going at it full steam. And I think that the OU win just shows how well OU is playing right now. I don't think it's a dog on Texas Tech at all.
1: I think it's
0: (laughs) just how well we're actually playing.
1: All right. Yeah, I mean, that being said then, uh, just a little – that was just a little side note. OU – as long as like the, like you said, there's not just an insane amount of starters out because of contact tracing and what have you. Uh, they should come out and just play their great game, and they should be ready to go, and it should be an easy game. I mean, looking at you know, I like to look at records and just see how that how each team has competed against certain teams, and if we're going off that Texas Tech marks OU at full power, then obviously I can't compare Baylor's performance to. OU's performance when it came to Kansas State, which, you know, obviously was the second game of the season and they lost 38 uh, 35. OU did. So I'm not going to, I'm going to go ahead and just XA that, say that doesn't count. <laughs> uh, going to be a little biased there. But I mean, Texas Tech, eh, Baylor loses to Texas Tech 23 24. And so I just think that is a great definition of Baylor lost to Texas Tech. What is OU going to do to them? You know? And so...
0: I think Baylor's just just had an unlucky year. Obviously, Baylor last year was in the Big 12 championship game. They did graduate a lot, and they lost their head coach. But they hired a... They got a home run head coach in replacement in Dave Aranda. I just... I think they've had a horrible year with COVID. I think it's just wrecked them. They didn't get their um, non-conference game. They... Tried to reschedule it. They tried to reschedule a different opponent. And every time it just kept getting canceled. They've had a lot of games just thrown out this year. And I think Baylor's just been ravaged by COVID-19. I don't, I just, I don't know how fair it is to say um, that Baylor's just not a good team this year. But it's just the, it's the belly of the beast. Like, they haven't played well this year. And I think it all has to do with the circumstances of the year. They have a new head coach. They haven't dealt with the adversity very well. They have talented players there. It's just whether they can turn that talent into what they need. And so far this year, they haven't. Um, I do think Dave Orando will get the job done at Baylor. I think he will do just fine. But I just right now, they're just not getting the job done. And OU is that that's the difference to me. Um, I I don't know, ba- Baylor has come out in their one win this season and they impressed, but that that was a shot like that was a once in the dark performance. It seems like this season, so I I just don't see this game being very close.
1: I think that's true. Uh, I mean Baylor they barely beat Kansas State, which Kansas State obviously has proven to be just your average team. They win some games, they lose some games. They're 4-5. and Baylor's now 2-5. and And so, I mean, it's just, I think it's like you said, Baylor's just had some, just an unlucky season. You know, sometimes people get get that kind of rough side of the bracket, uh, so to speak. And so, I think Baylor's just going to have to eat this season and then, you know, next season, maybe they can be that playoff team again. But I don't think that Oh, is was going to be this change. So, yeah.
0: well, moving on from this one thing, and um, that I want to talk about, and I did not actually mention this to Perkins before the podcast. It's something that I started thinking about when, when honestly, when I got fired up about Mike Gundy. Um, but one thing that happened this week, and it's not in the college football realm; it's actually in the high school football realm in the state of Oklahoma. Oh, is Broken Arrow. So, Broken Arrow, the biggest school district in the state, actually fired their head coach this week, and you're like, "Wow, that's not that's not that big of a deal." Like, that's what happens in high school football if you don't do well. But to me, he's he set the standard. David, the guy's name's David Alexander. He was at Broken Arrow. Um, he's been at Broken Arrow for seven years now. Um, he played 10 years in the NFL. He played at TU. Uh, he's in the TU all- Hall of Fame. And he goes to Broken Arrow when Broken Arrow is just a dog crap program. They just, like, they're just a middle of the road program, a program that they're lucky if they got five and five. Like, they're just not a good program. And they'd get whooped up on by Union and uh, Jinx and all of those programs. So, And then David, then introduced David Alexander and he absolutely flips that program on its head and starts winning. And he brings them their first district title in 2015 and a state runner up in 2015. And then he brings them another district title in 2018 and a state championship in 2018 and an undefeated season in 2018. And then two years later they fire him especially in the year of COVID, they fired him for going seven and four. Like he made it to the quarterfinals of state and lost to a powerhouse program. Like what is broken arrow doing? Like, I don't know. I think that that's a mistake. I read in the paper today though, that broken arrow is aiming to hire, uh, the Loren guy from Bigsby. Can't remember what his last name is. Um, but they're aiming for the guy, the head coach at Bigsby right now. Now, if they fired Alexander and they had already kind of talked to Loren and were like, hey, would you be interested in coming over here if we gave you the right package, then that I would understand. Like that, yes, because that the guy at Bigsby is probably the best head coach in high school football at this point. Him or the guy or Blankenship at Owasso are the best head coach is the best head coach at this point but with that being said i don't know like that that just blows my mind how do you how do you fire the guy that took you to the mountaintop and maybe that's the standard that what david alexander said was he set the standard that high and then he failed to meet that standard this season and they fired him for it and i was like Like, I get it. You set the standard that high, but you set the standard that high. Like You're (laughs) the one who brought the program there. Like, why would he get fired for that? I don't think there's anybody in the state besides the state or besides the school board of Broken Arrow that agrees with this decision. Like, to me, it's just they're getting greedy, and they fired a great coach for – and they're trying to go after a Hall of Fame coach. Like, to me, the difference – so the way Mike Gundy made me think about this was I think OSU should fire a good coach and get a great coach. What Broken Arrow did was fire a great coach to try to get a Hall of Fame coach. Like, it's not like they have the Hall of Fame coach in the books. They're just trying to get them. And that that doesn't make sense to me. Like, that's a huge gamble with your program. And if they can get them, I guess the gamble pays off because the way Lorenz ran Bigsby. Bigsby's had what like four, five, six, seven, ten straight state titles. I don't know. Like a ridiculous number. I think it's actually at four, but um
1: That's still Bigsby's good.
0: just really yeah, Bigsby's just ridiculously good. Bixby's the best team in the state, regardless of class, this year. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Bigsby could run over any team in this state. Like, and probably do it with these. Bigsby play face five A number one, Carl Albert. Beat the dog crap out of them. And so, Loren is a great coach. If Broken Arrow can get him, then yes, they made the right decision. But if Broken Arrow cannot get him, there is no way in heck you should have ever gotten rid of David Alexander. David Alexander is about to go to another team and turn some some other team into a powerhouse program in the state of Oklahoma. Honestly, even if he moved out of the state of Oklahoma, he's going to turn whatever team he's the head of into a powerhouse program, just like he did Broken Arrow. But I know I didn't give any time for Perkins to prepare for this, so do you have any comments before we move on from this, Perkins?
1: (laughs) You know, I'm great at winging it, but I actually do. Uh, You know, back in our hometown, uh, we had a coach that came in. I used to to play uh, high school football. Uh, I did, um, a couple of years at lineman, then a few, then uh, I think I did a single year at wide receiver cause I got taller and skinnier and being 120 at lineman, uh, is it easy, uh, come can, uh, when it comes to it? So I switched to, you know, wide receiver, but anyways, that being said, uh, we had a, uh, head coach come in that changed our program around at our, at, uh, our school. And, um, the fact that he left, to go to a bigger program to make more money, you know, destroyed our school football program. They really did. And so now our, our football program is still trying to like find its footing every year. It's kind of a gamble if they're going to be better. And I, so I think for broken arrow to make this decision, you're kind of, it's, it's a roulette. That's not, that's not the fun kind of roulette. You know, you're not, there's no betting on, on red or on 35 and you might not get it. This is, uh, you put all your money down on, on freaking double zero, you know, for those of you who understand roulette, And so it's not, it's a very rare chance. And so I just, I don't know. I think it's a dumb thing. If, If it's one thing, if that coach had walked away and this is what they were going after, like it happened to us at our school, but that's not what, that's not what happened. It sounds like they fired him. And, you know, yeah. we don't and know the thing- if it had been for another reason. Like, if maybe there's some no, like no, internal- no, we do
0: know. We do know. Oh, we do. We do know. That's what I was just about to say. Okay. Broken Arrow literally came out and said, we are not firing him because of an off field issue. We are not firing him for any allegations against him. We are not firing him for any reason other than his performance on the football field.
1: That blows my mind. Literally came out. <laughs> what? Literally came out and
0: said that they that they they said he doesn't have a DUI. He didn't go uh, get caught molesting a kid in the showers. He didn't do anything wrong. He's a great guy, and that's that's the thing that blows my mind too. He's a great guy from what I've heard about him. I don't know the guy personally, but he's a great guy. He's literally like one of the nicest guys you can meet from all the stories i've heard on the radio over the past week he's a nice guy humble guy and he just knows how to coach football and you get rid of him of a better coach like it like he's an a and you're hoping for an a plus coach like that is that is a big gamble and i i would it just blows my mind mm-hmm. on that I don't know, but but we we can move on. I I've gotten fired up this week. <laughs> there's a lot to be know fired up I've about. So fired up this week. Um, there's been a lot of questionable decisions going on. So, <laughs> but we'll we'll go ahead and just move on. Um, from this, what is the game you want to watch out for this week, Perkins? What game on TV are you want to watch? You
1: know out what my so I'm gonna go ahead and call this what I would refer to as like. My big game, because I know we have two separate big games this week. Uh, this won't be a part of my final segment, three games. But as you know, for any of you who have listened to me throughout this uh, this season, so to speak, on our podcast, uh, I have been a big fan of Indiana. And you know who Indiana plays this week? Wisconsin. And so that is my, that's my big game. That's my watch out because Indiana's going into it At a just a major player deficit because of Michael Penix Jr. tore his ACL in the last game he played in the third quarter. He ran, I believe the play he did on that he ran for like 25 yards, got hit, and it just wasn't good. And he tore his ACL, and you never want to hear that, especially about a a quarterback that is the reason Indiana is second. Just under Ohio State, I could be wrong about that, but I believe that's what I read. But, anyways, yeah, oh, right. and so I mean, Indiana no one expected Indiana to play this great. I mean, I started off the season with my betting and I betted against Indiana, and then I stopped, and I started betting for Indiana, and that paid off. And so, but Indiana has been great, and so I'm just worried. I don't know, I haven't seen their backup quarterback, I don't know. And so that's a toss-up. And so even though I love Indiana and I love Fry Fogel and I love what the Indiana team can do, I think when we're talking about game of the week, it's going to go to Wisconsin. I think they're going to be the more consistent team. They're not going to be playing with anything new. But I think Indiana versus Wisconsin, that's going to be the best game to watch this week. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, uh, just a little tidbit on it from my perspective. I, I'm not going to add much. I'm not going to argue with you. I I do think Wisconsin probably has the advantage going into this game. Um, But you do have to remember uh, that the reason Indiana's been good has not solely been on Pennix Jr. The reason Indiana's been good has been their defense forcing turnovers. Their defense has forced so many turnovers, gotten so many picks this year. They picked – Excuse me, they picked off Justin Fields three times in the first quarter <laughs> and he hadn't been picked off three times in his career. <laughs> like I, I think Indiana's going to struggle on the offensive side of the ball, but I think their defense will keep them in games. So it's ju- it just depends on whether they can put up a at least a little amount of points for the offense. Like if Indiana can score, I don't know, 14, 20 points a game, then I think they have a good chance of winning. That's true. But if they can't if if they can't do that, then I don't know. It's it's hard to replace a quarterback the caliber of Pennix Jr., but that being said, I think their defense will help them a lot. Um that also being said for this game of the week, Wisconsin's offense struggled mightily against Northwestern. Oh my gosh. Um <laughs> and all, only put up seven points. It was a horrible game to watch. If you watch it, like it was just, just absolutely boring. <laughs> I, like was- so, but I I don't know. But that that game was just weird. I don't know. So I will say this: this game this weekend, I could see it being a toss up because Wisconsin's offense isn't very good and defense or um. Indiana's defense is really good, so that's a that's a matchup nightmare. So I don't know. Wisconsin's favored by fourteen, but if I'm I I don't think I picked this game. I might have picked this game. I don't know if, but if I picked this game, I would be picking the under or picking the under for one because I don't think there's going to be a lot of no points way. scored. And I would pick the spread for Indiana. I think I think Indiana would at least not lose by more than 14. Yeah,
1: and so. if they could play like they did against Ohio State in the second half of that game, I think Indiana will be fine. Uh, and if their defense could play like they did the whole game, you know, I mean. <laughs> and,
0: and in all honesty, Pennix Jr. has played well this year, but I don't know that he's that great of a quarterback. When you have a wide receiver like Fryfogle, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but when you have those two guys on your team and you could just throw it up in the air and they're going to come down with it, like they're going to make your quarterback look good. And I don't know. Phoenix Jr.'s made some plays. I'm not going to dog them, <laughs> But I think that if they slot in a quarterback that can be semi accurate and throw the ball up to Fry Frogel, that they're going to be all right. So, yeah,
1: Fry Frogel is definitely uh, the that, playmaker. Um, him and again, the other guy whose name uh, just we can't remember, but. They have playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. And like you said, if if their backup quarterback can at least hit within five feet of where it's supposed to be, it's going to be all right. So uh, I think as long as that in the O-line holds up and gives the quarterback just that extra time they're going to need to get used to to playing ball, I think it'll be fine. Uh, But then again, like I said, you don't know. Sometimes you have a great backup quarterback that, in um, in Clemson's case, where their backup quarterback came out and he played a great What's game, and uh, and so and then moving on, I think <laughs> <laughs> and then so moving on, uh, you know, I think that that's all it's going to take. So
0: yeah, well, moving on from that game, the game I picked this week to kind of kind of watch and keep your eye on, and. This game's not a game most analysts are going to pick this week. It's the Iowa State versus West Virginia game. So the reason I'm picking this game is because Iowa State is in prime position to basically win the Big 12. If they win out, they win the Big 12. And that's that's a weird circumstance because OU's won at six straight years or five straight going on, t- trying to win their six straight. So I don't know. Like if Iowa State wins out, They could be in the title game. But one thing I will say is Brock Purdy has struggled when he's been under pressure this year. And if you don't know, Brock Purdy is the Iowa State quarterback. Brock Purdy has struggled under pressure, and West Virginia probably has the best two defensive tackles in the Big 12. Um, Statistically speaking, West Virginia has the best defense in the Big 12 um, this year. And I think it will be an interesting matchup to see how Iowa State's offense attacks that defense I know Iowa State has Brees Hall probably the best running back statistically wise in the country at this point I think he has eight games over 100 yards um, with one at least a touchdown so I think there's this game if Iowa State can control the ball if they can run the ball well with Brees Hall then I think that they will be able to win this game Um, and if Brock Purdy can keep under keep his composure and not throw an enormous amount of interceptions, then they will be just fine in this game, and Iowa State should win. But that being said, if there if West Virginia's defensive line forces a lot of pressure and forces uh, Brock Purdy into these bad throws, I do think that West Virginia could have a chance. So that's just kind of what I'm thinking on this game. Um I know you didn't do a lot of research on this game. Do you have any thoughts before we just go on to the next uh, Yeah, so uh,
1: you know, just as, you know, me as uh, someone who loves football, I love the defensive side of the ball. I think that is arguably just one of the most important parts of, of the game, which you would think, oh, no, offense is the most important part because that's how you score, but no. Uh, an amazing defense can, in some cases, if they're really, really good, you get pick sixes, fumble recovery, uh, fumble recoveries for touchdowns. I mean, they could score all the points for the offense. Offensive has come out on the field, you know, in a in a crazy game. And so I think if, you know, they the tackles in West Virginia come out and they apply that pressure and they're hungry for that ball and they get into the backfield and they get in that quarterback's face, I think that's a tie turner. And I think that's a tie turner in any game. You know, so it's just I think it all it's gonna come down to is what's the stamina of that defensive line. And will they be hungry enough to stop Iowa state? And I, you know, I may not know much about coming in, but I can tell you it's that simple when, it, when you're coming out of a team like that, that simple. Can your defense yeah. get and there?
0: Another, another thing I don't know about is how much depth West Virginia has on the defensive line. I know they have two good players who are brothers, but I don't know how good their depth is. Um, I know they've had a good defensive year so far, so I assume they have some good depth or at least some good players around those two. But if I'm being honest, I haven't watched a West Virginia game this year. Like, there's been no reason to mm-hmm. watch them. That, so, um, but that was just kind of my last game. We are going to, um, Anything? Well, actually, before I say this, anything else you want to cover? Anything else you want to touch on before we go to our final? Yeah,
1: uh, there's um, just some sad news that came out uh, Thanksgiving week. Um, and I'm not going to touch too much on it because I don't know that much about it, but I do think it's worth just talking about because, uh, you know, you never want to hear this happening to anyone ever, no matter who they are or what they are or what they do. Um, but Texas State University lost a football player Uh the 25th, um, at least that's when the article was written about it. But he was a 20-year-old defensive back. His name was, uh, and I'm, hopefully I say this name right, but Cambriel Winters. And uh, essentially a, a meetup went wrong and he ended up getting shot and killed. And so that's always horrible. You never want to hear that. I just thought it was worth sending out my condolences to the to the teammates and the family for Mr. Winters. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's, that's a hard thing to be a part of, especially with that team. Um, that, that's, it's just gotta be tough. Losing anybody. Um, it's been a hard year for everybody, but losing somebody like that, it's, it just seems kind of pointless. Um, so big prayers go out to that team, that family, that uh, all, that whole program, just everything involved in it. Um, but any, anything else you want to touch on before we hit our big points of the, or our, our games of the no, week?
1: No, I'm ready to get into our games of the week.
0: All right. Well, he's, he's itching to get into them, but we're going to go ahead and take a commercial break. And I know that's horrendous, <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and hop off to break for about a minute. If you guys want to skip it, I don't care, but that's all I'm saying. We are back. Thank you for listening to our ad or skipping ahead of it. I don't really care which one you did. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we make the same money no matter what. So and don't 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 be fooled. We're not making a lot of money doing this. So if you ever want to send a donation or you want to be a real um sponsor that we actually know, then hit us up. We'll we will gladly hit you guys up and be talking up your product, whatever it may be. And, hey, uh, if we
1: get popular enough, keep an eye out for that Patreon that should be coming out, ECA 2022 or 23. <laughs>
0: uh, but we will get into our favorite segment of the week. I don't know if it's you guys' favorite segment, but this is our favorite segment of the week. So um, we're going to talk it up, and this is always going to be our main event. So my favorite or my three picks for this week um, – my first one goes to the Arkansas Missouri matchup. This matchup this week is one that I am very um not confident about if I'm being honest, but I picked this game because Arkansas has played well this year. Arkansas last year just got the just got absolutely throttled every game and they just w- looked like a limp dog crossing the finish line. Like They have looked so much better this year. They look like an actual team. They look like they can compete. And Sam Pittman has done a wonderful job with that program since taking over the reins. Um, But Arkansas is actually not the favorite in this game. They are – Missouri is the favorite by three points in this game. Um, So Arkansas are three-point dogs in this game. But I'm picking Arkansas to win outright. But that being said – I'm going to go with the spread on this one. Um, I think Arkansas wins um, outright, but I'm picking the spread for betting purposes. So if Arkansas uh, loses by less than three, then um, we also get this one as well. So that is my first pick of the week. Perkins, where are you going to be starting off at?
1: Oh. Well, let me tell you, but first let me tell you this. I like how you avoided talking about our last bets and how I won Indiana versus Ohio State.
0: Um, no. <laughs> oh, Ohio State won. You're so full of crap.
1: Oh, hey, I'm just saying. I, I did win the spread. It did go on my record. I do owe you a dinner because I told you they would win as a personal bet, but I did win that spread, 20.5 spread or 20.5, and they only lost by seven. So I just wanted to give myself a nice little pat in the back on that one because totally called it. If you guys are listening. I
0: will say I am now seven and two because of that dang game. But I'm pretty sure you lost another game that weekend, didn't you?
1: (laughs) I am seven and two also. So I did. I lost the Wisconsin Northwestern. But Wreckers Michigan got that spread too. So But, but
0: all right, go ahead and go get into your pick this week. Let's go. Stop picking on me. <laughs> all
1: right, I'm doing Ohio State and Michigan State. I'm betting well, Michigan. crap. Michigan's gonna win. I bet everything on it. <laughs> uh, I'm totally kidding. I would never do that. I, I'm dumb. I'm not that dumb. Rutgers and Penn State. That's where I'm going. Um, <laughs> uh, Rutgers and Penn State who, is who the pick, pick of week. Oh, uh, Penn State. Um, well, uh, let me rephrase okay. that. Let me rephrase that. So, I want to pick Penn State because I've wanted to believe in them all season. They played like total dog poop. Okay, but the, the spread is eleven, and so it's a matter of do I really think Rutgers is going to lose by that much? <sighs> You know what? I don't think they are. So I'm going Rutgers because I've talked about Rutgers all season, and I love watching them play. I love their little trick plays. So Rutgers beats Penn State. Well, Rutgers against Penn State with the 11 point spread. So that's that's my right. yes. Yeah.
0: That that's an interesting pick. Penn State struggled all year. I don't. I I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. Yeah. But, I will say Rutgers is a historically bad program, so <laughs> I feel like I feel like picking Rutgers to cover the spread is a good good starting point because I feel like Penn State could win, but I feel like it'll be a lot closer than most people say,
1: yeah, but me
0: too. moving forward, the reaction I gave on the Ohio State Michigan State game was genuine because that is my second pick of the week. <laughs> my second pick of the week is going to. Ohio state. I believe Ohio state's going to beat the dog crap out of Michigan state. I do not think this game's going to be close at all. I think Ohio state's going to drop 60 plus on them. Um, I I think this will just be an absolute butt whooping and it's just going to be a, that in its finest form. Ohio state should very easily cover the spread to me. It's a 24-point spread, which is a pretty big spread, if you ask me. But I'm very confident that Ohio State will cover this spread. Um, That's my second pick of the week. Where are you going with your second pick of the week?
1: My second pick of the week is going out to a game that we have already discussed. OSU versus TCU. Well, crap. (laughs) And, you know, I've been deciding back and forth, what am I going to do? Who am I going to choose? Because we talked about it, and there's no way we know where where this game is going. And I don't know, because it's only a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So this is a really risky game. But honestly, it's one of the few games out there that I thought was really worth betting on. And so I know know people who have listened, they're like, wait, but Jeremiah or Perkins, you said TCU is probably going to win. I know what I said. But I'm still going two-and-a-half-point favorites on OSU. And so that's more risky, too, because I can go TCU, and they just have to either win or they have to not lose by a field goal. But I'm still going OSU. And so that's, that's wow. my lock-in.
0: Well, crap, that's my third bet of the week, <laughs> and it's the exact same one. Uh, and I know you could even turn it back on me. You've been like, Zach, this whole podcast, you've absolutely crapped on Mike Gundy. That being said, I believe that Mike Gundy's a bad coach, but I still believe that OSU can win this game by more than two and a half points. I think Oklahoma State will win very handily. They have too much talent to not do so. If they don't win this game, then it would be a very big sign of what's to come for OSU. OSU should win. That's that's my last pick of the week. That's my big pick of the week. I'm very confident in Oklahoma State um that's my final pick so what what are you going to cap us off with today
1: alabama lsu
0: which side are you leaning on that spread are you (laughs) going the spread
1: (laughs) i i think i'm gonna go you know the spread is huge though it's a 30 point spread you know but honestly alabama's undefeated this season and lsu does not look like lsu of previous seasons And so I think it's a safe spread with Alabama. But I think the safer bet would still be the 68 over. So I don't know. I don't know. I've been debating it this entire podcast. I've been looking at it. And so, you know, Alabama's played good this year. LSU has played this year. Um, I think that's about all I can say about them. Uh, They've they've been in some games. Uh, They showed up. That's good for them. Um, so I think I think the over is fine. I think uh, I think I'm gonna go crazy and I think I'm gonna choose the over for the first time. Is it my first time? I think it's my first time choosing the over. So I think that's it 68 points between both teams. That's my that's my lock in.
0: All right, well, that is our picks of the week this week. Thank you guys for joining us this week. I know we got a little bit heated. I know I just said we, it was really just me. But um, <laughs> there were a couple controversial topics going on this week, so I, just, I was fired up. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the enthusiasm on what's going on. Um, and I hope you guys join us back next week here on the Oklahoma Sports Pro Podcast. We will see you next week.
1: See you later.